We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Andrew Claudio here with what else would I be here with than a quick programming note? This is part one of our Cap or No Cap 2022 offseason premiere. Uh, we did a two part episode, or at least meant to be a one part episode that stretched into two. This is part one that you're listening to now, covers some weekend review, Nick Scuttlebutt, and then the first half of Jeremy's presentation. Part two is available on this podcast feed at the exact same time as part one. So just to make sure that if you're listening to this, you're doing it in the right order, you could slot in part two as the next episode available. Without further ado, let's get into it. Cap or No Cap Season 2, Part 1. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you a week after the season has mercifully ended. I'm already feeling good about what lies ahead. I all I needed was a little time away from the basketball, the actual basketball before I could start feeling good about the basketball again. Um, and of course, who would I rather talk to about all of those wonderful feelings as we head into yet another offseason? This could be the this could be the year. Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. Hey, John. Man, it's great to watch playoff basketball. Disappointing to not have the Knicks in it, but the stress levels of my life are so much lower. Which listen, I would love to be stressed out about the Knicks in the playoffs, but considering how they're not in it, it's just I can watch casually. And it's great. It's fun to watch basketball and not have stakes riding on it right and left. Um, we're recording this at Sunday on Sunday at 8 20. Um um, did you watch most of Brooklyn, Boston today? I didn't. Um, I was actually doing stuff for Easter, by the way. Happy Easter. And oh, yes. Happy celebrating. Happy Passover. Happy. All, happy you know, all of the things. And yes. All the holidays. Um, I caught the very end of it on the train, or at least waiting for the train. And the, four, I mean, the fourth quarter from what I saw was exhilarating. Yeah. And I know that a lot of the game was as well. I'm still, I'm rooting begrudgingly. Uh, not for Brooklyn, but more against Boston. Okay. Uh, at the end of the day, it's great because I can either be happy about the Nets losing a series or the Celtics losing. It's a win-win. I have to say, I was like, 
I didn't know that I'd be able to do this, but I was watching this and I'm like, this is just really good basketball. Um, I wasn't, I, and that's the thing is like, I couldn't hate watch because I couldn't like, I, I don't like either of these. I hate, I unlike you, as we talked about, I hate Brooklyn more, but like, you know, it was just, and then funny enough yesterday um, for the wolves uh, Grizzlies game, I watched pretty much the entire game with three guys from um, Minnesota. And who are who are one of them was like a big Wolves fan. The other two were a little bit more lukewarm. Um, so that was an experience getting to watch that game with with those folks. Uh, shout out to uh, apartment one uh, L in my building. Um, but yeah, one W was, I should say now, right? What's that? One, one W. <laughs> Just wasting no time. Yeah. Wasting no time. Um, yeah, but it, you know it is it is fun. I mean, the, like good basketball is still good basketball, and I think. We love this. We love doing this. We love the like the Knicks because we love this sport uh, first and foremost. At least I that's I know that's true for me and you. Maybe not for everybody, but um, so yeah, it's been enjoyable. Um, that shows, said, shows what? one key thing though that I want to say. Yes, one key thing: the difference in talent between a lot of these playoff teams and where the Knicks are at is stark. Yes, and like that's I don't mean that as a slight. It's just. There are teams that are further along in their processes and they are really good. And there's some incredible stars. And obviously this is what we will be talking about starting today and moving forward, but just the immense level of talent that is on the floor and and how important stars are. It just makes every, it makes difference. It's a star league. It's a, well, it's a star league now and it's always been a star league. And I think, you know, it didn't matter. It really literally didn't matter which game you turned on this weekend. Um, I'm trying to think if there was an exception to that. I mean, maybe Toronto because Toronto is kind of built a little bit differently where they have like all of these guys who are like very good. They probably don't really have anybody who's like truly great. Um, You know, but for the most part, most part turn on any game, you know, and you're going to see a guy like, Holy shit. How is that guy doing that thing that he's doing or multiple guys as, as was the case today in, uh, in Boston. Anyway, um, this is a good transition actually, because we're going to do our weekend review. And the first thing we have up here, courtesy of Andrew Claudio always writes these, these babies up. And I think he has the appropriate thing first, which is Leon Rose's letter to season ticket holders. Um, so I think I mentioned this uh, a little bit on the mailbag pod that, that dropped on Friday, but I'll just say it again for anybody who may not have, have read it. Uh, Leon Rose or someone who writes things, with Leon Rose's name at the bottom, uh, wrote a letter to all next season ticket holders in which he basically talked about um, a little bit about the season that just passed. Uh, obviously, they did not meet expectations about. And uh, he also mentioned, you know, next season and where the team is going. And uh, and I said it in the mailbag pod, and I'll say it again. The, the term young core was mentioned no less than four times. Uh, and there was a pa- did you like the passing reference to the veterans? I like, did. <laughs> our veterans are here to support the young core in case, in case there's any misgiving. I, I usually, as you know, I don't pay, put much stock into these sorts of things. I did put stock into this. I already said what I thought about it. Um, I want to get your thoughts. It means everything and nothing at the same time. Well said. <laughs> I mean, listen, what, you can find whatever you want and apply it to whatever you want. If you want to say it's just PR bullshit because it's going out to season ticket holders, like I received an email and basically like, hey, thank you for spending money on this team that fell forward of expectations. Here's what we have planned. 
or to people maybe who had not signed up for season tickets to try to get them back in and lure them with limited time remaining before yeah. it uh, you know, expires. Or you could just look at it as like, no, 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 this is actually kind of a direction, right? Where, as you said, mentioning the young core four times, the veterans is supporting them. It, to me, the biggest thing was I looked back, I tweeted about this, but I looked back at the original letter that Leon Rose sent out when he first took over the Knicks and it was very much begging for patience. And yeah. this one was much more about how exciting Knicks basketball is going to be. And it just reminded me how I know we are often as Knicks fans. Um, I don't want to say we're spoiled by last year, but I think there's a sense of jadedness and it just goes to show how far this team has actually come around and just, two years, which is, look, there's plenty. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. Don't get me wrong, but it's nice to know that we went from a point. It was essentially the lowest, not the lowest, but one of the lowest points that you could imagine. Well, I, to, I, I think it was pretty uh, low. Yeah. Yes. I would say probably summer 2019 was the lowest point. Cause a lot of it had been building up to that. But the 1920 then, team, not only were they so aesthetically unpleasing, but like, there, there wasn't a whole lot like there wasn't a whole lot of value on this roster where yeah. people like looked at like, oh, that that guy has, you know, not not for the current, not for the contracts they were under at the very least. Right. So I was in, I was encouraged, but also it's the actions, not necessarily the words that matter. And it goes kind of hand in hand with the whole press conference thing where, again, like he is speaking. He's just not taking the questions that I think a lot of people want. I understand where the beat is coming from, but. Leon Rose is also still giving material. I just get the feeling that for a lot of people who want the beat to ask these tough questions, so to speak, it's mostly just accountability. It's trying to hold Leon Rose, the front office accountable when my viewpoint is, look, like they know that they're accountable. We know they're accountable. We know it failed this season. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the plan. I understand the need for words to show, you know, like, like them saying, I'm sorry, but what is that really going to do? We know that they're not going to be able to do anything in the postseason. Like the actions speak louder than the words themselves. So get to work, move on, and let let's hope that that speaks for it. And you know what? If it doesn't, then heads will start to begin rolling. But I hope that doesn't happen necessarily, because I want things to build in the right way. There's that term, build in the right way. If you put on a Steve Mills mask, I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> um, I thought of a couple of things. Um, with as I've continued to think about the letter over the last few days, one as I was watching the Nets today, uh, remember when Kevin Durant said the Knicks weren't cool? I do remember that. That was a thing that happened. I was thinking about it today as I was watching uh, them not play any defense. I mean, God, listen, Kyrie Irving <laughs> is freaking amazing, and Kevin Durant's not bad himself. But like, um, anyway, we don't have to talk about the Nets. Um, but like, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about. Like this Knicks team compared to, I think, when he said that um, about the Knicks and like they have come so far. And I actually kind of look at this Knicks roster and like what it could be next year. And that's actually going to transition into um, what we're going to spend the majority of this episode uh, on, which is like they have a lot of young players. Like, can they fit them all? And we'll get to that in a bit. Um, But like. This team is cool. This team does have a lot of like genuinely exciting young talent. And I think it was smart for Leon Rose to emphasize that in the letter. And the other thing I'm thinking is based on what kind of you just pointed out about watching these playoff teams, like Knicks fans are smart. The front office theoretically is smart. Um, They know how far away they are. They got 
you know, the win total, let's, we don't know how they didn't get actually that close, but like the win total made us all feel like, Oh, they got kind of close. They went for it last summer, low risk moves didn't work out. Let's reassess. Where are we? Well, we're not that close. So let's emphasize what we have. That's going right. The young players, um, which then leads us to our next part of week in review, which is um, something said by uh, one Mark Berman, friend of the show, Mark Berman, who went on the uh, KOT uh, show and said, uh, I, this is in quotes. So I'm going to read this in quotes, Andrew, if that's okay. Go right ahead. Quote this is from Mark Berman. Tibbs regrets not playing the kids sooner. Um, I actually had not seen this until you put it in the in the rundown. So I've had not that much time to think about it, but I do have some some thoughts. What, um, Jeremy, Jeremy? What? Go ahead. Yeah. No, I. Just, he mentioned on another show too. I, I don't. I want to give credit. I'm just unfortunately. Here's the deal. Mark Berman did like a mini press tour. He did a press for some tour. reason yeah. last week on a bunch of different Knicks content creators that weren't us. So uh, shout out to them for getting the get. And shout out to we Berman. didn't ask him to come on. We haven't asked Mark Bingo. to come on since really okay. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Like shout out to them for um, getting the getting Mark Berman on their oh, show. Awesome. Um, by the way, Fred Katz on the pod this week, making sure you guys know we do have people on the Knicks beat that come on our podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Point being said, he said multiple different ways. I know he was on with Alex um, on Knicks Jets, etc. Alex and John on Knicks Jets, etc. So he did that. And he did Nick of Time. And he did one more that I saw. And for all I know, he's on like three more this week. And he's just spacing it out each week. Um, but the point is, the sentiment, before I give the ball yeah. back to Jeremy, is that he was he was saying the line that we heard that there was... I, I don't want to say a call for his head that Tibbs was like on the hot seat at the All-Star break. But there were people in the organization that wanted to get rid of Tibbs. And Leon well, he re- fixed that. He reported that in his right, so in his writing this week as well. He so. reiterated that yeah. and then said, um, I've been told that Tom Thibodeau does feel regret about not playing the younger players sooner. And it caught it caught Nick's Twitter off guard that that just like was a, a throwaway line and it caught shout out Jay Ellis and his panel off guard and at least the Nick of Time show clip that was uh- posted. I just have very, I mean, my response to this is I sure as fuck hope so that he regrets that. Like, yeah, I mean, you want to tell me like this shows growth in Tom Thibodeau? I I don't know about, I don't know about that. Uh, Is Tom Thibodeau ever going to grow in the ways that uh, most many Nick fans want him to grow? You know, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, But yeah, I hope he regrets it. And if this is, a sign that of the direction that thing, because like, look, ultimately he's not in control of his job. Other people are in control of his job and there are people within the organization that want him to lose his job. I believe that piece of reporting because like, you know, it doesn't take a lot to go from the Yahoo report that came out, which was that Wes was whispering in Dolan's ear to there are people in the front office that want that wanted tips gone at a certain point. It's just how close they got. I don't think they got that close in any case. He knows this is it. He knows this is last year. He knows if he steps wrong or, you know, it's like none of this stuff is very mysterious. So if whatever is going on, his regret, not regret, whatever the hell it is, leads to them leaning more into the youth. God bless. I don't even really care. Jeremy, your your thoughts? I have the other show, by the way, Jeremy. The, the, the streets are buzzing. 
uh, bet they are line Nick's buzz or New York buzz. Um, Berman's like going like there. Bee. Yeah. Buzz yeah. like, like a bee. Um, the streets are buzzing. Uh, Berman's been on here a couple times, so they're they're buzzing with Berman. Fly like there. a fly like a Berman, sting like a bee. There you go, uh, Jeremy. Go ahead. I would hope that he feels regret. Yes, that, I mean, but it's more just um, two things. First is it's infuriating once again because people have been calling to for him to play the younger players and he would either basically say you're not in the room you don't watch the film um or basically just like mocking them in some way or again you can use this word gaslighting fans about this process and so for him to then be like huh maybe i should have done this it's like look we can talk about the fact that tibbs has a far better basketball mind that he will forget about more basketball than a lot of Knicks fans, Knicks fans in general will remember collectively. Right. But at the same time, it's like, this was very apparent and the lack of switching up when you needed to just showed a stubbornness that he kind of banked on because he thought it would get better and it didn't. And then the season went down the drain and it's like, yeah, I mean, like, gee, I regret not investing in a great company years ago when it was doing, you know, when the stock was little, like, like, of course you're going to regret that. But you know, it's just um, it's frustrating to hear. But I think the second thing, it's fascinating to me that it's coming out now because it's coming out right alongside the um, the Leon Rose letter. And it just feels like there's kind of this clear cut message that's being sent out. Like Tibbs is he's been carrying water for I'm sorry. Berman's been carrying water for Tibbs this entire year. And it's very evident in the reporting that he's done. So if Tibbs is, if Ber- God, I keep, I keep saying Tibbs versus Berman, because to me, they're so interconnected that I feel like I listen to the same person when I read them. But when Berman goes on these shows and makes the rounds to me, it's like Berman, listen, I need you to start massaging this and saying, listen, I, I, I was in the wrong. We didn't have a great season, but we all have the same message, right? Cause there's one unified message coming from the Knicks right now. And it's, the youth. And that yep. is how you try to sell fans. And it's also Utes. how you try to inf- short. Yes. Uh, try to inflate your assets or maybe like you try to consider the fact of the veterans are here, but you're not building around that core because people have this idea that it's like there's the win now group and the win later group, but the win later group is winning now that, that I think is all accurate, but it's like, are you building around the vets? Are you building around the young players? And to me, it has always been, that they are building around the youth and they are using the older players to take the pressure away, to be used as a uh, matching salary, to turn free agency and trades into valuable pieces later on. Um, and to just help with overall development. We can disagree in terms of how those levels of getting developed are where this player should have played more, that player should have played less, whatever it is, but it's just, it's a unified message of reinforcing that, they're trying to stay with one group. And you know what? The whole thing could just be ridiculous BS. And they could, could be. say, yeah, these are the young be. players and we're going to ship them out and we're going to get win now talent. And uh, here you go. I, but, but something about it doesn't feel like that. It feels it very much more like, again, we've been building steadily. We haven't made any major moves and we're fine with that. And you should be fine with that because we believe in the long-term of this team. We've seen the short-term fixes. I mean, Leon Rose was here. He was Mello's agent. How many times was he an agent for other players in New York and see every Band-Aid fix just falling by the wayside? So I firmly believe that he understands it's the long-term trajectory. Don't do a quick fix. And um, 
and you know, we'll, we'll see what this summer holds, but I just think the whole Tibbs message, I mean, uh, it's, it's falling in line. It is. Here's the other thing though. (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of, it, it goes right to what you were just saying and, and what Knicks fans have been saying for months about why it's infuriating. It's infuri- again, and I kind of wrote about this at the beginning of last week about like, was this season a waste in terms of like what else could have been done? It's one thing if you make an organizational decision to go with the youth because it's where you're at as a team and it's like the right thing to do, even if it may not lead to better basketball. This youth movement arguably would have led to better basketball. And so for them to lean into the youth right now and say, we're building around the youth. It's a different way of saying we're going to build around our best players moving forward. And for the first time in a long time, the Knicks can say genuinely that our best players are our young players, you know, and that I don't want that to come out as a shot against, well, I, I mean, I guess it is kind of a shot at Julius Randall and like Evan Fournier, but like, there's a very definitive ceiling on what those guys are. Um, Alec Burks would throw him in there too. Derek Rose because of age, you know, and the kids, it's like, well, we don't know what the ceiling is on a few of them, you know? So it works out. It's convenient. It makes sense. Everything makes sense for as frustrating as this season was. They're in a place right now where it's like, they have a very clear roadmap. Um, there are only a couple of question marks as to, you know, the the specific turns like we they know where they kind of want to get to in terms of the specific turns uh they want to take on their way there that's still up in the air which leads us to our third uh topic of the week um the the traveling Knicks front office the traveling sideshow i saw uh mark mark stein compared this to when uh uh the clippers breasts started watching all the Kawhi the raptors games when they were According to Kawhi, um, before they ended up signing him in a free agency. So, Worldwide West and Allen Houston, uh, as well as Julius Randle, we'll get to that in a second, uh, went to watch game one uh, Mavs Jazz. I'm going to ask you, Jeremy, when, when you saw that, I first saw it when it was reported on, on ESPN, and then they show, I think they showed Houston. They, hadn't, they didn't show Wes on TV. What was your first thought when you saw that? I mean, my first thought was, oh, yeah, they're, they're here to scout Donovan Mitchell and or Jalen Brunson. My first thought was Donovan Mitchell. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's Brunson. But my first thought was Mitchell. But I've since come to the, it's, it's Brunson. It's got to be Brunson. I mean, they also know Wes is close with both players. Yeah, of so, course. And like, do they have a whole lot other to do right now? <laughs> like I, no, I mean that in a way. Like they are working, but they that are is, working. Like, that yes. is what that's Wes's bread and butter. Like no, I would hope he has nothing better because that is the job that he specializes in. It's being a people person. Like that. That's why it was so. Like yeah, I would imagine they're there, but I also would imagine that there are probably other uh, executives that were not nearly as uh, heralded or as popular as they were. I mean, we saw it. And it's tweeted about, it's shown on ESPN, it's publicized. I don't like to get into the whole like Knicks for clicks thing often because, you know, but, but this felt like, again, you're, you're pointing out something that is sure it's obvious and it's your job as journalists to support it, but let's, let's be real. We know that there are other scouts in the building, but yeah, but they had a front row seat, Jeremy. 
I'm aware. <laughs> I'm fully aware that front of seat. I get it. I, and and there was also um, their head international scout was there. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And Dennis the Jr., who, of course, the Knicks traded away. Like, that's the thing. They're Knicks ties for sure. But they're also just like Dallas roots. Like with Julius Randle, he, he's from Dallas. So let's... Half let's, the Knicks are on... Half last year's Knicks yeah. are on the Mavs. Like, yeah. No, there's a lot. Look, there's a lot of ties. I get it. We again, we we you could was it Mitchell? Was it Brunson? Uh, what'd you make of Randall being there as well? I mean, he was sitting with Wes, which again, we could sit here and come all with all kinds of cockamamie conspiracy theories. Um, he's from Dallas, as you said. That's where his home is. I did. <laughs> Did you take anything from that in terms of like, well, this makes it more likely that Julius Randle is going to be back. It makes it less likely that Julius Randle is going to be back. I, I, I don't know. My, my brain is broken when it comes to that. I think my first thought was honestly, why is Alan Houston not sitting with Wes and Julius? And then my second thought was, did Wes and Alan Houston go to sit together? And then that saw Julius one. and then Julius swapped seats because Wes was like, Julius, I want you to sit with me. So Alan Houston went to the seat that Julius oh, was wow. in. I don't know. Honestly, I really don't care because at the moment, Julius Randle. I care. Now you got my mind working. Maybe. But like, that's the way I see it, where I know that a lot of people may have gone to a darker place like, oh, no, that means Julius is going to be here. And look, if if that's the case, then I respect it. Maybe he is still a member of the Knicks in next season. But I also kind of thought I was like, well, Julius is also here right now. Basically, if anything, if there were this sort of idea that Julius did not want to be in New York, that he didn't get along well with people, having him be front and center, like, listen, we're, we're together. We're, there's synergy here. Like, we're all good. There are no problems here. That is we're the not, perfect way to show it. We're not desperate yeah. to trade this guy. What are you talking about? He's right. like, a happy family. We're a big, happy fucking family. And then you pull them together like this guy, this guy, the guy who, you know, posted 20, 10 and five. Oh, we love him. We don't want to do anything. Love him. That's why it's he had a rough like, year. We still believe in him. Right. So I see a yeah. photo and you could take it either way. You really could. You could say this is the, this is good for trading him. You could say this is bad for trading him, whatever, or not for trading him, but like in terms of keeping him or not, it just, it doesn't matter. It's a photo. We'll see everything that happens and, and go from there. Yes, we will. Um, I'm not going to, Think about this one any more than I already did because it'll start to drive me crazy. Um, I do yeah, so that was, one thing before we move on to the next topic, please. Um, <laughs> so last week when the Raptors and the Knicks played and the Knicks won, and there was this whole thing about like the idea that Knicks fans rooting for a win is despicable because how could they do that? And the tanking odds, the lottery. And again, I was fine with them losing the game. It was the folks who were so adamant that rooting for the Knicks to win meant that you're not really a fan. Well, the Pelicans made it into the playoffs, which meant that the Knicks wound up being in the 11th seed regardless or the 11th place overall for, for tanking. And it just, it just felt like, it felt like humble pie in a way that was like, we don't have to tear into each other when like we, I was happy to celebrate a win and not just because it was a clincher for my victory. I was happy because I enjoyed seeing the Knicks win and it didn't really matter at that point. Like I, I didn't see the difference. So it was great to see like, sure. It's great that the Knicks have increased their odds by a smidge. I still don't expect them to move up. Maybe they do, but listen, just, don't, don't poo poo 9.4%. 
No, I don't. It's more just the idea of like, see, all is right in the world after all. And I just, there was a lot of anger that was coming from there. And I just kind of want to follow up on it because I, I just, I didn't think it was right that people should be, um, should be, you know, called out for wanting the Knicks to win. And they made it 11th overall, which is what people wanted going into that game anyway. So it all worked out. Jeremy, if this year has made anything clear to me, it is that people are going to get angry about the things that they want to get angry about when watching their basketball team. Uh, and you know what? You, 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 it is best to let that anger be out in the universe and have its healthy, healthy release. Cause it's not good to keep anger in. You want to release it. Um, and that is, that is why Twitter was invented. And uh, sh- shout out to the fine folks who, uh, to you know, make that service available to Don't all. Don't worry, of us. Elon Musk is going to fin- fix everything. Don't worry about it. He's yeah. he's got so many great plans. We're going to be running Twitter on the moon in like three years, guys. Don't worry. Uh, Anti gravitational tweeting is that? Yes. Don't worry. Do you even know? You have no idea what we're talking about. Do you? I do well, actually. Oh, I you do. do? I, yes, I do. I do know about. Wow. This. Okay. So, by the way, should we just also place a bid for Twitter? Like Nick's film school buys Twitter. I'll, I'll bid one dollar. We're there. Just the press headline is Nick's film school submits bid to buy Twitter. If you could take press. care of that for us, Andrew, that would be deal glorious. on it tomorrow. That's that's the episode headline. <laughs> cap or no cap. We're the buying Knicks Twitter. Buy Twitter. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending, whether it's producing this show, hosting my own show, Final Review, preparing a proposal in Long Beach, doing my taxes, or whatever else. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar, Yukon mash, and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 and use promo code filmschool120 and get $120 off. That's code filmschool120 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 for $120 off. So as uh, anybody who's been listening to the show for a while knows, it is the offseason, which means it is time for the glorious return. We should have some kind of pop and circumstance music of cap or no cap. Um, I don't have anything else to say. Jeremy, you want to take it away? Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, if you are new to cap or no cap, hi, uh, I'm Jeremy. Uh, Basically, (laughs) what we do is something called cap or no cap. Uh, It talks about the salary cap and the New York Knicks and how things can play together. Uh, The name cap, you know, like it's slang for lie. Like that's cap. So, is kind of like, is that a lie or is it not in terms of how we can navigate around the salary cap? And no cap is no lie. That is correct. Yes. Very good. So um, basically, we're going to take it fairly easy on this first one. Right? It's like a college class. It's, this is the, the first one. It's just the opening thing. But we're gonna, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but we'll go a little bit into the subject material as well. But the bottom line is we're going to walk you through kind of like the macro stuff, and then we'll get into some of the nitty gritty, which I'm really excited about. So as I proceed, and here we are. And for anybody listening on the podcast, um, if you, again, are new to this, this is um, one of those things where if you have the ability to watch on the YouTube channel, shout out Next Film School on YouTube, feel free to subscribe. Um, you'll see what we're seeing, which is like various spreadsheets and whatnot. But if you don't have the ability to do that, 
and you're just listening on wherever you get your podcasts, uh, don't worry. We'll we'll talk you through what we're what we're looking at. Exactly. We'll be as clear as we can in terms of everything. So uh, this podcast is on asset consolidation. It's to try to fix the logjam that the Knicks have. We talked a little bit about this. Well, actually, we talked a lot about this before the trade deadline, and not a whole lot happened, but you know, the Knicks did get Cam Reddish and traded out Kevin Knox and a first round pick. So uh, there's a little bit of an upgrade here, an update rather. And basically asking, do the Knicks have too many assets? And the answer is still yes. Do you have any input, John? Any thoughts that you have? Um, my, my only, well, my, my input is that yes, they have to, I, I, I want to, I don't know if I want to quibble about the term asset because you can, you can, Say that perhaps some of the some of what the Knicks have is would not be considered an asset, but I, I know we're going to get into that. So, well, they're all assets. It's just a matter of depreciating value, positive value. So, you know, is it a Pinto or is it a Lamborghini? Yes, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, first one. This is some key information we've got going on for the 2022 free agency for the Knicks. So, Mitchell Robinson and Ryan Archidiakono are entering unrestricted free agency. Taj Gibson has a contract next year that is non-guaranteed, fully non-guaranteed. Um, the Knicks project... Well, actually, this is... I should have double-checked this. This is before I because I expected them to get the 12th pick, but they actually have the 11th pick and the 41st pick in the draft. Um, so if you're watching this and looking at it, it's the 11th and the 41st, not the 12th and 42nd. Um, they pretty much have $43 million in potentially expiring salary and around $87 million in guaranteed veteran money. And the other thing we're going to say is um, they're not going to be buyouts. The Knicks are not going to be buying out any players. The players are not going to be taking buyouts. It doesn't make any sense for the Knicks to have dead money on their books in this fashion. They can use something, make do with something. Um, but anything that's a buyout to me would be foolish, especially uh, after we are finally done with the Joakim Noah uh, dead money that has been on the books for <laughs> now three seasons. Um, and just uh, for anybody who uh, may be a little confused about the potentially expiring salary, that is potentially expiring salary that will uh, potentially expire after next season. So after the 22-23 season. And the reason that there is so much potentially expiring salaries, if you recall back to uh, last summer, uh, the Knicks signed a bunch of contracts to uh, that have option years. Um, yeah, team options, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so those are nice because you can uh, send those off to a team. And if the team wants to have the player for one year and have it be an expiring salary, great. Uh, if not, it can last more than that. So good things. Exactly. So next, we've got some burning questions. And Nick's going to clear up this log jam or are they going to just let it stay kind of rough? Fester. Are they going <laughs> to trade Julius Randle? Are they going to keep him? Are they going to be able to land a star? Is there even going to be a star that fits what they want who is available? Are they going to re-sign Mitchell Robinson? Are they going to go in a different direction at the center position? What are they going to do with their draft pick? Is it going to jump? If it isn't, are they going to do something else? If it does jump, are they going to keep it? And then are they going to make a change at the point guard position? Are they going to stay with what they've got? These are all questions that we will be going over at some point throughout this offseason. The, the the complicated part about this and why this is going to be a very interesting offseason is like every point that you just mentioned, Jeremy, is interconnected potentially to like 
one or two or three other points on the list. This stuff all factors in together. Um, so like it's not about like what the Knicks decide to like if the Knicks decide to do this, it will have a domino effect on like one or two or three other things. It's gonna be very interesting. Yes, it will. So First thing, uh, what exceptions might the Knicks have? Well, if they operate over the salary cap, then they'll have the non-tax mid-level exception available. It's about $10.4 million, 10.3, I guess. And they could also have access to the biannual exception. I forgot about the biannual. Oh, never forget about Bay. So, uh, it's $4 million. So the biannual obviously applies. You only get it once every two years. Have the so then when's the last time the Knicks, have they ever used it? I don't even know. Yeah. The last time they used it, I believe was Alonzo Trier. Oh yeah. Good. Good call. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they just haven't had reason to use it also because they operated under the cap the last two years. So because of that, they haven't been able to have access to it. Now the and thing they, about the, sorry, finish. No, I was going to say the thing about the biannual exception, unlike the non-tax player mid-level is again, as we just kind of implied, if you use the biannual exception this year, you do not get to use it next year. Um, so they have to, you know, think about that. They do. And if the Knicks decide to somehow clear cap space and go under the cap, then they'll have the amount of cap space they've created plus the room exception, which is $5.3 million. But important to note, you cannot combine those two things. So for instance, if the Knicks traded away a contract and they got themselves $12 million under the cap, they can't then go sign a $17 million player combining their cap room with the room exception. You have to keep those two things separate. Correct. And then there's one thing I guess I could add here. Um, the Knicks could create a traded player exception. That's basically when they take money and then dump it off to another team or the difference in salary creates space. So if the Knicks send out more money, let's say they sent out $18 million and they got back $13 million that could create a traded player exception of $5 million. And that is similar to what John was saying, where it's like, you can't, Combine it with anything. It's just five million. You can't really go too far. Like you can't exchange the parameters. Um, it has to be a player who can squeeze into that amount. Can, so, can I give you this week's very very brief edition of John is sick in the head? I spent a good fifteen minutes earlier today on Easter Sunday, mind you, trying to figure out or confirm that uh, the traded player exception, if they did trade away Mitchell Robinson into a team with cap space and basically took no money back would be the value of his first year contract or the first year of his new contract, as opposed to half of that value because of the silly rules about base year compensation. I'm pretty sure it's the whole value, right? It is. That would just be for matching salary. That would be for matching salary. Okay. Right. I was like, I, I, I think this is the case. I want to try to confirm this. And I, long story short, I, I was not able to confirm it for myself. I was like, I'll just ask Jeremy. Well, there you go. There you go. How does a team get hard capped, right? So there are three ways. And for reference, hard capped means you have to, like, you can't spend past the luxury tax apron. Uh, what that means, like, there's the salary cap, there's the luxury tax, and then there's the luxury tax apron. If you get hard capped, you can't pass that apron point. This year it was like 145, 148, something like that. It's a ton of money, which they're, they're, they're not, not anywhere close to. Yeah. But there are three ways, right? Number one is a sign and trade. So if the Knicks acquire a free agent via sign and trade, they would be hard capped. Last year, they went after Evan Fournier, did the sign and trade, 
received a hard cap, it didn't even matter because the Knicks didn't have enough salary for it to really be a factor. Um, if another team acquires a Knicks free agent via sign and trade, and that team sends a player who's already under contract, then the Knicks would not be hard capped, right? So it's only when you're receiving a player who is a current free agent and you're signing and trading them there. The salary coming back would not hard cap you. So for example, when Kyle Lowry was signed and traded to Miami, Toronto would not have been hard capped by Dragic and Precious Achua going to Toronto because those players were already under contract. But Miami was. Miami was because they did sign and trade. And then a double sign and trade, same thing. You would, both teams would be hard capped. Um, the non-tax mid-level exception. If you, if the Knicks use basically the the tax equivalent, which is a little less than six point four million or greater, then they would be hard capped. Just something to consider. Um, That's, anything from I didn't, that, that amount to the full max to the full amount of that the team can offer with the MLE that that would hard cap them. That's interesting. I wonder. So that you know, again, these are we have a whole summer to worry about these things, but. I haven't stopped to think about how many teams potentially won't use more than 6.4 or 6.3 of their MLE um, because they have that concern. I have to imagine there are probably at least a couple of teams out there that that's a, that is a concern for. Yes. And as a result, there are also some teams that don't even get that. They get the tax mid-level, yeah. which does not hard cap you, but they have to, because if they were to use the non-tax mid-level exception, they would be hard capped and then potentially hit the tax apron, which they can't do. They can't go above it at any point in the season. And and this is important. And again, we're not going to dive too deep on this today, but just for, if you're starting to think about what the next summer is going to look like, and you, you like to spend your time looking at free agency, big boards, like besides the fact that there's not a whole lot of teams with cap space. um, If there's a limited number of teams who have access to that or or realistically going to use that full 10 million, then all of a sudden, if you're the Knicks and you're sitting there with your 10.3 million, well, that kind of sucks to look pretty good um, to someone out there who is looking for a a decent payday. Very true. And then the last is that biannual exception that would hard cap the Knicks and then they wouldn't be able to use it for two seasons, thus biannual every two years. So you go. All right. We're going to hear a lot about this term. <laughs> You're going to hear a lot about it too, folks. It's called base year compensation and it sucks. It is the bane of so many people's existence because everything you would know about matching salary and like what you think would work, it gets all messed up. Um, so there are basically four rules that come into play with base year compensation and it's something to consider. And I will use Mitchell Robinson as an example. So number one, which is, by the way, we should say for anybody who's like, why the the fuck are you talking about base year compensation? It's because everything about the Knicks offseason, not everything, a lot about the Knicks offseason has to do with this concept because it has to do with Mitchell Robinson and it has to do with uh, our good friend who Wes and Alan Houston were watching in Dallas, Jalen Brunson. So we'll get to why that all Colin Sexton too. Yeah, Um, yes, a lot of these guys. So bear with us and then we'll get to why this matters in a second. So first, the prior team uses full bird or early bird rights to re-sign the player. The Knicks first signed Mitchell Robinson using a portion of the mid-level exception. Uh, Just as a reminder, when the Knicks did that, just doing that for Mitch wouldn't have hard capped them, right? Because it was only a very small amount of that. It wasn't the amount that would have hard capped them. Um, But yes, check that box for Mitchell Robinson. They would be using 
his full bird rights. Second, the player's new salary is more than his minimum. If we're assuming that a player like Mitchell Robinson is making north of $10 million, then yeah, that's certainly more than his minimum amount. Check number two. Number three, the player's new salary is more than a 20% raise of his prior one. Last time I checked, anything north of $10 million is going to be well more than 20% of the less than $2 million that Mitchell Robinson was making this past season. So he also have that he has that checked box as well. And then fourth, the prior team is over the salary cap, including cap holds, after signing the player, but before the trade. So basically adding the signee's new full salary to the team's books. Basically, that's a lot of words. What it means is that the Knicks didn't have any money to spend. And then they went over the salary cap to re-sign Mitchell Robinson and then hypothetically traded him away. So that would be the fourth box that we check, which means that Mitchell Robinson is a base year can- uh, compensation BYC candidate. And uh, just because you threw the two names out there who are going to be of interest to Nick fans, all of the four things that you just went to also are certainly going to qualify. I mean, again, you don't know for sure that the contract they're going to sign. So the last thing about the, the signees new full salary, but like Colin Sexton is not um, signing for uh, like a, a small enough amount of money that he would not qualify for this. So he's going to qualify for this in Jalen Brunson will as well. Right. It's not like he's going to sign for the mid-level exception. Yeah, I was about to say, so you're not getting Colin Sexton for $10 million. Sorry. No, you're definitely not. So that's basically what it means. Um Again, just as a warning, you're going to hear about this a lot. It's really, truly the bane of my existence, but that's just the way it goes. So I I want to take a step into the future, though, for just a moment. And it's what could be on the horizon for the 2023 draft? Because with the 2022 draft, we know the 11th pick as of right now before the lottery and the 41st pick. But in terms of 2023, the Knicks have their own first round pick, Dallas's first round pick if it's between 11 and 30. Then they have four second round picks, their own the Detroit second round pick, the Utah second round pick. And then this is a little confusing, but it's the least favorable second round pick <laughs> of this is Oklahoma the City, pick. Washington, or more favorable of Dallas and Miami. So just to break it up, uh, you have the OKC pick, you have the Washington pick, and then whichever is the better of the Dallas and the Miami pick. Yes, but it's the worst of, the better, of those three. It's the worst of those three. Yes. So, so in, in all likelihood... I mean, maybe Washington and Oklahoma City are great next year. In all likelihood, whichever of Dallas or Miami is the um, whichever better one team. of those has the worst record, oh, you're sorry, probably going to better. Than, yes, you're right. Yeah, sorry. You, you, yeah. Whichever one of those has the worst record, so the Knicks are Knicks are probably in line for uh, I don't know the, the 52nd pick in the draft. Yeah, I was the better pick of the worst. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. What you mean. So yeah, uh, again, they have six picks to deal with. That's already way too many things. They're going to need to consolidate in some way. They don't have to deal any of those picks this summer, though. They can potentially wait. So it's just something to consider, especially as the Knicks navigate this year's draft. But I also want to talk about future salary, right? Because if you're trading for salary, you're also considering when it ends. So if the Knicks traded for salary this offseason, it would be ending in 2023 or 2024, maybe even 2025. But I want to specialize on two years. So the first one, 2023 Uh, guys like Danilo Gallinari, who will be 34 years old at the, I want to say, I think the the ages that I have is the, when it's when the season starts might be. Yeah. Well, no, the, I think the ages for you probably it's the ones on basketball reference, which is, I think the age uh, they are. I Googled each of their, well, regardless, I I found when their birthdays are. And then look at you. 
Who's yeah. better than you? Anyway, Gallo's ageless, so it's true. He is. Um, Wait, so why are we talking about Daniel Gallinari? What's the, why? Why is he up here? Well, here's the thing. So uh, Daniel Gallinari has a partial guarantee in next season, right? So it would basically be for I want to say five million dollars that he has guaranteed, and there's this thought, and I know you clarified this as well with uh, the podcast with Chris, but there's this idea that because Gallinari has a potential guarantee that the Knicks could somehow trade for him and then non-guarantee him. And they only have $5 million on the books and Gallo walks and it's great. Uh, That's not possible. The CBA fixed that. If you're actually looking for someone to blame for why that's the case, uh, you could actually look to Brock Aller, who exploited that loophole with the Brendan Haywood trade by sending him to Portland. And then the NBA was like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. You have clearly outsmarted us. We are going to close that loophole. And so is the case. So um, it is unfortunate, but also due to the creativity of Aller, that is uh, that is the case. Similar can be said of Eric Bledsoe. I know I've seen a lot of Eric Bledsoe, Julius Randle, Michigas. It's basically like you, you can't have him for his $3.9 million in guaranteed money and then wave him and stretch the money if you really wanted to for $1.3 million a year for three years. You can't Bledsoe, just a lump sum of three point nine. It is the full enchilada that you are getting with Bledsoe, and it would be a whole... Wait, 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 hold on now. We got Michigas and mm-hmm. enchilada in the same... Eric Bledsoe, man, you you win, okay? You got both of those in the same little spiel. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, and we got spiel, too. Hey! I'm compelling, John. A lot of Yiddish going on here. And maybe if, we get, if the Knicks get uh, Bledsoe next year, I'll be fetching. So uh, then we have Harrison Barnes as an example, right? Uh, Harrison Barnes actually, upon being acquired, would, like a lot of these players, be extension eligible. So the yes. Knicks acquire Harrison Barnes, even at the uh, ripe old age of 30 years old. I say that semi-facetiously. And basically extend him for a year, two years, three yes. years. Um, Jeremy Grant, similar position, and Miles Turner. So that's 2023. Just some of the highlighted players are making more than $15 million. And then the following year, 2024, you've got Eric Gordon, who his whole contract in 2023, 2024 is fully non-guaranteed. We know that the Knicks were reportedly interested in him. My guess would be because his contract is basically lined up the same way as New Orleans Noel, Alec Burks, those types of deals where they're club options. The and Rose and, yeah. and Derek Rose. Yes. And, and so, just just to make sure where to keep things clear, the Bledsoe uh, Gallinari thing that we just talked about at, at closing the loophole where the Knicks are not going to be able to non-guarantee those players and, and get a bunch of cap space out of it. That's different with these guys because these you're still a year away from the their final non-guarantee year. So if the Knicks traded for um, Eric Gordon, for instance, this summer, they could turn around and um, non-guarantee his final year, you know, after next season ends. And that would be fine because he would already be on their team. They wouldn't be trading for him in the offseason that they would have to make that decision. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, and then you've guys like Marcus Morris, Gordon Hayward, Tobias Harris. You even have Davis Bertans, who has a partial guarantee in 2024, 2025. So by acquiring him um, basically this year or before the 2023 deadline, you would essentially have Davis Bertans and you could then do what I'm saying of like non-guarantee him, eat the dead money and let him go. But if you did that in the 2024 offseason, you couldn't do it. So 
That's basically what the horizon looks like or the landscape for a lot of these larger contracts that maybe the Knicks might look into as they try to consider the consolidation efforts that we're talking about, which then brings us into asset consolidation time. So I'm actually going to go into a new document. Exciting like stuff. Multiple, multiple presentations on the same podcast. Where, where else, folks? Nowhere. I can say that confidently. Nowhere. Uh, so this this isn't even a um, a presentation. This is just a collection of spreadsheets I've put together, and uh, it's gonna be great. A lot of lot of numbers, a lot of fun. And the reason I did this was because it's gonna be really important for us to actually edit things in real time. Yeah. And by taking screenshots, I can't do that. So I figured, what better way than to just make it interactive and more fun? So we're first gonna focus on the twenty twenty two. Off season, right? Because it's the one that's right in front of us. And we basically have a large group of players that are right in front of us. Um, you've got everyone from Julius Randle all the way down to Miles McBride, and you have some cap holds and all the things in between. So as things stand right now, the Knicks would enter this coming off season over the salary cap. And there are ways that they can kind of finagle it though, right? Like if you look at everything that the Knicks have and you consider the 2022 pick being number 11, if it doesn't jump, then really the best the Knicks could do is if they non-guaranteed Taj Gibson and renounced his cap hold, if they renounced the cap hold of Ryan Archidiakono, and if they stayed at 11, then the Knicks would only have $289,142 in cap space. Uh, John, that's a lot of money. For your average person, <laughs> for the Knicks in terms of free agency, that's absolutely nothing. And so, here's the thing, it, yeah. it, just very quickly, and I'll turn it back over to you. If the Knicks were to get to this point where they said, hey, let's be a cap space team, it would be maybe the worst financial decision they could make because it means, number one, that they have no money really to spend because $289,000 is essentially zero, but you're under the cap. So you lose access to... The full the non-tax mid-level. mid-level exception, the biannual, you have to get yeah. the room exception, which is a lot smaller. So it's why, even if the Knicks non-guarantee Taj Gibson, that they probably keep his cap hold because it 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 basically functions as a way where they can operate over the salary cap, do all those things that we just talked about, and get away with it and sign players. But by renouncing him, it actually would make life hell, unless of course the Knicks traded out other salary to make more cap space. So the best thing is to operate over the cap. Yeah. And one clarifying question and one comment Um, you have for the number 11 pick uh, looks like about 4.5 million. That's correct. That is 120% of the salary, right? It's the cap hold, but it's also, yes, it is 120% of the salary. Don't you owe, is that what you have to have on the books before you actually sign the player? What's the salary slot? I thought it was, it was, I always thought it was 80, 80%. Is it the other way? I mixed it, mixed it up. I mean, the, the reality is that it's very rare for a team to pay less than 120%. I'm just talking about the salary slot though. Like the, the, right. it's, the, for it's accounting, 20, it's probably 20% less, but because the player isn't signed yet, it's going to look exactly okay. as it is. So teams, okay. teams basically bump up to 120%, which is also the same as the cap hold. So I figured would just keep the cap hold there because that's probably what the player is going to make regardless. Okay. The comment. Um, if you're everything we're, we're detailing about why the Knicks are going to be an over the cap team, I, I, we should just say for anybody who, who 
is wondering, like, yes, of course, there is a way for the Knicks to get under the cap. Like if you're if you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, they if they traded away, you know, uh Alec Burks and Kemba Walker and whatever for for nothing. Here's the issue um is you can't make those trades before the new league year, uh, because nobody has any room. So it's like make there's one team. The, the Thunder, team right? Thunder. They yeah, exactly. Okay. $20 million. So and if for them, it's use it or lose it. If they go into the draft and don't use it, then they'll actually lose that ability because the Shea Gilgis-Alexander contract kicks in and they've got other players, their draft picks that will be making enough where their cap holds and their salaries will close that loop up. So it's, and it's I, use it or lose it. And I'm sure that Sam Presti wouldn't demand anything at all for... <laughs> To take on uh, the the carcass of New Orleans Lowell, and uh, again the, the the amusement alone of sending Kemba Walker back to the Thunder would might make it worth the first round pick that we would have to give them to dump uh, those salaries. Um, putting aside that as a as a not really realistic possibility, um, anytime you're trading, so you're going to trade these players away in the new league year to create cap space, and I feel like by that point, it, it, it's not that it's not possible. It's just, it's not really how things are done. Like signage, you're going to get a sign and trade. It said, um, if indeed the Knicks want to go out and get someone that they would otherwise have used cap space to get, which I know we're going to be getting to, but I just, cause I know people are wondering this. Well, like, couldn't they trade away the salaries to open up room? Like, yes, you can, but it's not that simple. It also contracts are more fungible because you can, you can make matching differently when it's, Clearing cap space, the player has to fit in that amount, or you have to do a sign and trade to make the math work, or you have to then dump another salary. It's just easier to be above the salary cap and do it. Of course, then when you run into players where it's like, hey, we want to sign an unrestricted free agent or a restricted free agent, um, oh, the restricted free agent would probably more, be more sign and trade anyway, but let's say it's unrestricted free agent and the Knicks just sign them using cap space. Uh, sure, they could do that, but they'd have to then move heaven and earth in a lot of ways to get it going. So instead yeah. of doing that, they can find other ways around it. Yeah. And it all, well, yeah, there's, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Perfect. So that's the 2022 situation, but I want to also kind of show what the longer view point is. So this is essentially the 2022, 2023, 2024 and 2025 uh, scope. I could show you 25, 20 or 26, 27, but it's like, it's the cap hold of this year's 11th pick overall. All yeah. I see, it's all exciting. I see right now is Evan Fournier's cap hold in 2025, 26. <laughs> that's, that's where my eyes have drawn to for some Pretty reason. Much. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah. so we just talked about 2022. Uh, a lot of people then think about 2023, and this is going to come up with other conversations we'll be having later, right? Like what if the Knicks traded players and then got someone who has a very high expiring salary? We don't have to say their names. But you know who they are. The problem with that is if you're looking, I'll tell you. And if you're not looking, I'm still going to tell you anyway. The Knicks are in a position where they're likely to be heavily over the salary cap regardless because of the fact that RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish have very high cap holds. Now, could the Knicks pay RJ less than his cap hold, and which is $32.7 million? Sure. Could they pay Cam Reddish less than the $17.8 million that is his cap hold? Yes. But you really don't get a ton by doing that, right? Like right now I have the Knicks, if they basically took the team options of, if they kept everyone, which is not going to happen, but if they kept everyone and had Derek Rose, Alec Burks, and Nerlens Noel guaranteed, they are well 
above the salary cap. But let's, you know, let's have some fun, right? Let's say I deleted Alec Burks's salary and Nerlens Noel's salary. We're only uh, 7.7 above the salary cap, right? Uh, let's say we even found a way to get Julius Randle off the books for expiring salary. Uh, boom. Now it's actually, I mean, it should be green, but it's $20.4 million in spending money. And of course, you could then give RJ less, as I said, than the cap hold. Same with Cam. And maybe you're working with closer to, I don't know, $28 million. And you're probably thinking, well, that's great because now the Knicks have money where they can do all these exciting things. And then I come in and I tell you, well, uh, who really would there be to sign? Like, Jokic isn't going to come here. Let's just, let's be real. So how many other great unrestricted free agents are there? I, I don't think Bradley Beal is going to be an option, so we can cross him off the board. You're probably thinking, hey, there's a, a player in New Orleans named Zion Williamson. He could potentially come here. Well, here's the thing. Uh, they really don't trade or they, they don't really sign and trade star players into another team's cap space. You know, usually there has to be more going out than just that. It helps. Don't get me wrong. But it's the sort of thing where, again, the Knicks don't have to be under the salary cap in order to make a trade like that happen. If anything, it actually makes more sense for them to collect more salary. And then if they don't get hard cap, they can spend as much as they want. So it's why ideally finding partners for any teams or any players they want to trade where they're getting back salary that makes sense for the longer scope of things. Now, mind you, the Knicks could trade for a star this offseason and none of what I'm saying really matters because the Knicks would be over the cap anyway and they will have found a star and they're working towards it. Uh, as I'll get into later, I'm a little bit dubious that it happens, but sure, if they did that, it'd be different. But if we're focusing on 2023 being the year, you don't want to go into cap space. You want to trade these players for something that helps you down the line and reducing salary really doesn't do that. If we're two things, one, if we're talking about what the Knicks want to happen slash hope will happen slash are counting on happening because if it doesn't happen, they may not have jobs by the time uh, they get to actually spend that 2023 money. Um, it is exactly what you just said, which is trading for a star player, which is why having the salary on the books makes sense. Two, uh, if you think out there listening for a second that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to watch as the Knicks or any other team signs Zion Williamson to a, a offer sheet and that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to just let him walk away, um, that is not going to happen. Uh, things will have transpired well before that, that would get Zion to wherever he was going to go. There are about a hundred different ways the Zion thing could go from now until whatever he, he, he starts his next contract. That is not going to be one of the hundred things that happened. So just wipe those thoughts from your head. Yeah. And then two things. One, you can't, you can't sign a player like Zion to an offer sheet and then have the Pelicans match and then work out a sign and trade. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and two, actually something I'm forgetting is with the, the whole amount of cap space I just included, didn't even consider what Mitchell Robinson's next salary is because I will get into that later, but you add that, let's say again, the go for that. He's making more than $10 million. That's another $10 million that's taken away before you know it. You're operating with like, cap space in amount that doesn't really matter and where you'd want to trade for that start anyway. So it's just all the more reason why it makes so much more sense for the Knicks to just stay above the cap with the plan for next year and go about their things. Of course, yeah. as some of you might be thinking, well, how does that affect uh, trading Julius Randle? A lot. And we will get into that at another point 
but that is the consideration. I mean, the, the long and the short of it is like for a lot of years, NBA fans operated, especially Knicks fans, because when Isaiah took on all those salaries, if you've been around for a while, you remember this. It was like the Knicks have no cash space for the foreseeable future. That is a different league. That league does not exist anymore. It's a different league than what exists right now. What exists right now is how flexible and fungible can you be? But that fungibility has actually very little to do with how much cap space you open up. It has to do with your tradable contracts, your desirable assets, as we talked about earlier, and how easily those things are um, to move, which is what all this is really about. And that was the one thing actually in Leon Rose's letter that I was like, eh, yeah, but also no, was the that they were flexible financially. It's like, yes, the Knicks are flexible financially. As I they just are. mentioned, look at how much money they have that could be considered expiring salary. That's fine. It's just, it's a shame because the those players, their value isn't at its peak for a lot. So it's, it's tougher, but again, he's, he wasn't lying. I mean, it, it is true, but then if you, it's harder to then do the scope of 2024, 2025, all that, because it's not necessarily accounting for RJ Barrett's next contract. Well, you would imagine Cam Reddish's next contract, uh, considering that in the 2024 off season, Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly would need to be paid. So it's almost like there's a shelf life for, I mean, really, Derek Rose, Alec Burks, Nerland Zoel, and Kemba Walker. Kemba's, which expires this year, you need to trade him. Uh, Rose, Burks, and Noel, where theoretically, based on the contracts, they can be here a whole year later. It's just, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, but like the urge from a contractual standpoint to move them is not dire. It's like whether or not you want them on the roster, that's the question. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.